I had my children on the floor. I was on my favorite blanket that my grandmother gave me on the floor like a cat. And I realized in that moment, the potential of what our bodies can really do as women. Like I could feel his head. I could do my own internal, like, yeah, his head, I could feel it. I was in tears. I was just in tears and overwhelmed with gratitude. Hi, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator, a woman's work facilitator, mentor, and coach, and I assist women in optimizing their chances of having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment and leave a review as this is how you can help us reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. The Natural Birth Podcast also has a Patreon page, so if you'd like to shout me a cup of coffee to show me your appreciation for the podcast, then you can do that there. Thank you for all your support and love. It's deeply appreciated. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Emma. Emma is a mama of one from Northern Rivers, New South Wales, Australia. She is a yoga teacher and meditation teacher, speaker and writer, and she runs an online business with her partner called Flow States Collective. She offers an online prenatal yoga series called Flow Baby, a 10-day meditation course for mothers-to-be, as well as courses for new mothers designed to honor the pathway of maiden to mother. And in today's episode, we will hear all about her own journey from maiden to mother. She and her partner did a lot of self-healing, inner child work, and breaking ancestral patterns alongside physical detoxing before conceiving their baby and deciding on having a home birth. Curious about Emma? Find her on Instagram as Emma Maidment. Hi, Emma, and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are you today? Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Great to have you on. You're actually back in Malambimbi, my old stomping ground, yes. uh, the Northern Rivers. Uh, it's always lovely to connect with uh, mamas over there. I, I just know that there's such an amazing birthing culture over there that's just so natural, so uh, pro you know just everything really in that shire mm. is like you know many people aim to live as naturally as possible and I just know that a lot of women that come on this podcast have such empowering birth stories where 
they're really cl- like they claim their birth space they chose their midwife carefully all of this so I mm. am certain that you will not be different so I'm really excited <laughs> to hear your birth story it always just gives me so much joy to hear from women from the northern rivers and their stories so with no further ado Let's start with that you kind of actually got pregnant and did a big move and everything during lockdown. So in the beginning yeah. uh, of, of this hysteric two years, <laughs> do you want to kind of talk to us about that? How that came about? Was that a conscious choice or did it just kind of your spirit baby just said, oh, here I am ready yeah. or not. Here I come. Kind of a bit of a combination. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you say about, you know, this area because, you know, in the Indigenous culture, Byron was a birthing ground. And so for me, I kind of always knew that I would come here to have my babies. Um, my partner and I had always wanted to live in this region. We just thought we were maybe 12 months off. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so we kind of started a bit of a preconception journey, very much I guess more more along like the inner working. So we were, you know, quite healthy. We'd done detoxing and, you know, all those kinds of things um, leading up to, I guess, deciding that we want to start trying. We kind of thought we'll do that in like, you know, six months' time. We had a whole plan. Yeah. Um, and and I guess the, the more inner work that we were doing was around like healing our own inner child um, and doing a lot of stuff around rewriting our scripts of, you know, what how you want to show up in our relationship, how you want to show up as people, and then ultimately eventually as parents and, you know, the patterns that we could see in our ancestral lines that we didn't want to repeat or that we wanted to heal. Mm. Uh, and so that was kind of the, the journey that we were on. And, and at the beginning or before, you know, this all this COVID stuff, we we used to run um, international yoga retreats. That was kind of a big part of what we would do. And I would travel and teach kind of all over. Um, And so we had this grand plan, like literally my vision board was like 2020, the year of travel. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Little did you know. (laughs) Little did I know. And part of that was there was a side bit of, you know, doing our online business, which we now do. Um, And then the plan was to run all these retreats and then maybe fall pregnant towards the end of the year, move to Byron, and, you know, so it was sort of all part of the plan. I guess the timeline just got moved closer. And so we actually had this discussion and I said to him, my partner's name's Tyson. I was like, Tyson, look, I really feel like, you know, it might take a while. I've got a history of polycystic ovaries, which I'd been conditioned to think was a negative thing. Um, so I thought, you know, maybe, you know, let's have a timeline that we'll start trying around, you know, whatever the date was. And that would mean, you know, if it does take six months to 12 months, you know, we're still kind of working towards that. And he's like, yep, cool. I'm on board. And I felt really excited. And I was actually pregnant at the time of that conversation. No. <laughs> so lucky we had, we were lucky he was stoked. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'd, um, I, I guess I'd, kind of my period was like one or two days late at that point and I was like oh you know I'm not gonna think about it too much everyone kept saying that you know all this pandemic stuff was starting to mess with their cycles so I thought maybe that just Mm. was you know it was a stress thing because we'd lost our entire income we'd lost everything so we were you know I thought maybe it's just that and Mm. nope turns out um little river had decided that it was his time to come (laughs) Wow. Which was, yeah, which was cool. So, yeah, we sort of, we found out right after Melbourne went into their first lockdown or during that first lockdown. Um, and I got hit 
almost instantly with just horrendous morning sickness. Like I was, oh my gosh, I was like vomiting all day, nausea, couldn't eat, migraines, just debilitating migraines. Mm -hmm. And I guess the lesson in that was I had to totally surrender to Tyson. Like he had to fully take care of me and that as someone that's Virgo and tends to, tends towards control as my response mechanism, um, it was very much like a, a moment of, okay, I need to let go and be held in this. Um, yeah, it was at that time that Tyson said, like, look, we need to get out of here. These lockdown things aren't going anywhere. Melbourne, he just had this feeling like this is not where we want to be. We need to leave. And I was kind of like, can we just wait until I get that amazing second trimester energy that everyone talks about? Because um, I can't move house right now. And so he was like, don't worry about it. I'll do everything. So he packed up our lives. He organized the move and kind of everything. Um, and, yeah, we we were out and then we got up to Byron. And a week later was when that really, really intense first lockdown kind of hit Melbourne. And I was like, thank God you had that intuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because Byron was then quite you know we didn't see much in the Shire did we until no. 2021 um yeah. like August really or yeah. something September when it really started coming up there. yeah it, it just kind of felt like we we were in this little bubble in Byron where yeah. you know there was it still was kind of you know people were kind of talking about it and it was in the background but it wasn't like, you know, the, even the lockdowns that we had up here weren't as intense as they were in other places. No. Yeah. All right. So pregnant, moving, um, pregnancy throughout this crazy 2020, and mm. then you burst in 2021 sometime. When was your? So I actually burst at the very, very end of 2020. He oh, was born right. on the 30th of December. Oh, goodness me. Yes. Just literally the last day just in yeah right <laughs> yeah I was kind of thinking I was I think I was 40 plus 11 or 12 or something oh, right. um and so I I I was kind of thinking oh he could actually be a January baby like it was yeah um yeah so he just made it into 2020 and now yeah and so now he's he's um actually 13 months yesterday Right. Beautiful. So um, you moved to Byron. You wanted, obviously, then to have more of a natural life. Um, mm. What was your ideas around giving birth? And um, was that something that kind of developed during your pregnancy? Were you already quite sure that you wanted a home birth? Or how was your processing around that? Yeah, I hadn't really had too many friends that had gone through birth, only kind of a couple. And so I was aware of home birth. I was aware that birth could be kind of an empowered experience. Um, but I, I guess I didn't know the intricacies of the system and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so it was very, very eye-opening to start looking into things. And, you know, my first experience was, you know, a girlfriend was like, oh, you're pregnant, you should go to a GP and get a blood test. And I'm like, oh, okay, like that's what people do. So I go to this GP and it was like so negative. She was trying to force all the things into me and all this, you know, have this shot, have this test, do this thing. And I, it just didn't feel sacred or like it was an honouring. It just felt like I was on like a blockchain. Mm. 
And I just knew straight away, I was like, oh, this is not what I want to do. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. There's got to be another way. And so I started talking to people that I know had had home births and then just kind of really started Googling like private midwives. And um, I looked into the Byron um, Midwife Centre because obviously it's free. Yeah. But I just, there was a few of their conditions around, you know, going over a certain time. And I, I, I witnessed girlfriends get to that point of being, you know, just kind of going crazy trying to get the baby out because yeah. they didn't want to be induced or they didn't want to have all these kinds of things. And so I think seeing that play out made me think, okay, I actually would prefer a private care of someone that, you know, without, within reason is, is happy to allow me just to birth when I need mm. to birth. Mm. rather than there being this, you know, you better go and eat 600 dates, otherwise tomorrow you're getting kicked off the program. <laughs> yeah, because that just creates stress in people. And I know this because I've been mm. definitely, you know, part of this <clears throat> in Byron. And, uh, and it's like that when you go with the system, even if it's, yeah, midwives, um, they have to, yeah, they have policies and guidelines and rules and you have to be low risk according to their standards, which are very different depending on where you are in the world, which program, obviously, mm. which hospital that you're involved with and all that. And um, your hands are tied as a midwife there, just as they are obviously mm. in the hospital system, which is even more so than obviously the low risk birth centers that are, you know, much more. And there's, so, you know, there's beautiful midwives everywhere. I'm not saying that's something wrong with them. Mm. The system itself, isn't it? Mm. <clears throat> and when you go independently, especially obviously you also have to screen midwives independently because they're also different, aren't they? And yeah, <laughs> what they're comfortable with and what their skills are. And some are more skilled than others and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's, um, I've seen that though, um, women that might go over one day or two, like 42 weeks and one day, two day, and yeah, not be able to birth with this midwife or this team that they've known mm. for their whole pregnancy. Um, mm. That's really disturbing and stressful. It might yeah. also be the reason why they do go over because they're not, they're getting stressed already at 40 weeks, 41 weeks, yeah. knowing that they're on the clock. Totally. There's no oxytocin flowing through your body when you're like, oh God, like I got, I got you know, I'm going to lose my safety net and my people and the, you know, the, the birth plan that I had just because of a couple of days. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I met my current, well, my, my midwife that we ended up going with Libby, um, mm -hmm. I just want to keep getting pregnant so I can keep hanging out with her. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah, we love Libby. But, yeah, she's I just great. said I just said that to you before we started recording. I think you're like the fourth woman on this podcast that has Libby as a yeah. midwife. And like, you know, for everyone listening, I don't know this before I interview these women. <laughs> it's just so funny how it just ends up that way. Yeah. She's just, yeah, she's great. And I, I literally found her because I was just Googling, you know, and I and I realized that there was a small amount of people that did um you know, private midwifery in the area. And then also because we were birthing over that Christmas, December period, you know, a few of them were actually away. Um, so, you know, whilst I had a phone conversation and then it's like, you know, when are you roughly due? It's like, oh no, I'm not working this Christmas or yeah. so that, you know, that also just was, I guess, nature eliminating um, pro the process for me and, and guiding us to Libby. And when we first met Libby, I walked away and I was like, I really like her, but I don't think she likes me. Like, because <laughs> I'm such a like over the top friendly kind of person and she's she's much more reserved. And yeah. I did I did tell her that later on. But it, it's just her way, you know, she's not one to push an agenda or, you know, push her opinion. And, and even when things came up throughout 
pregnancy that I would be like, oh, someone's told me this and it's making me feel unsure. She would just say, well, here's, here's some research and read this book and then make your own decision. And yeah. I loved that because it was so empowering. You know, yes. there was her and I was so aligned, but she didn't tell me that, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. she let me come to that on my, on my own. And yeah, I really, I really cherish that because I learned so much and I went on such a, a journey throughout my pregnancy of discovering the system, I guess, and realizing more and more that I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of that. And, you know, what are the things that we could do to create a home birth environment that was really conducive to an, to an empowered birth experience? Mm-hmm. Ah, so excited to hear your story. Okay, so let's dive on in then. Let's dive on into um, early signs of labor approaching for you. Did you have any kind of physical or spiritual, emotional or mental kind of signs that something's going to happen? Yeah, so actually the day, two days after our guest date or due date, there was a big like cosmic, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this podcast, but mm-hmm. cosmic storm happening. <laughs> Uh, there was a conjunction, there was an eclipse. It was that big thing that happened at the end of 2021. And on that day, I got horrendous gastro to the point that I was on the toilet making noises and Tyson was on the phone to Libby and Libby's like, I'm coming over. I think she's in labor. Like this is, this is wild. And so I was just violently ill. And I remember thinking to myself, oh no, if this is labor, like I'm kind of screwed because this is so intense. And Libby was filling my belly and she was like, you're contracting. Like it was, mm-hmm. but she's like, look, even if, if you are in labor, it's super early. So I'm just going to leave you guys like touch base with me in a few hours. And so literally as soon as that conjunction thing happened at 9 PM, all my symptoms stopped. I sat down with my partner and meditated, went to bed, woke up the next morning, totally fine. It was the most intense thing. And so that to me was like, okay, that was that that's the start of something. Yeah. And so that that was probably about a week before, a week and a bit before we ended up giving birth. Um and I just went into deep healing after that because obviously I'd had, you know, horrendous gastro. So I was like bone broths and and hydration and rest and just, you know, obviously thinking if I do go into labor mm. tomorrow, my reserves are pretty low. Um so we kind of went into it. My my partner is a coach. So he went into it with very much a coach's mindset of like, you need to have your nutrition and energy mm-hmm. and hydration and like bang on. So we just, you know, we just were healing for that, for that kind of week and a bit afterwards. And I had about a week of, of pre-labor. So every day for about three hours, I would start to feel contractions and they would get ramp up in intensity and we'd get really excited and then nothing. What time of the day was that? Was it the same every day or? No, it was kind of like sometimes it would be in the morning, sometimes it would be in the afternoon. Often it would happen like we were just kind of doing our usual thing of long beach walks and swims and often it would be, you know, halfway down the beach walk I'd feel like, oh, this is like I'd need to stop and just breathe a little bit. Um, and so that went on literally for almost over a week. Like it was, and so mentally you're like, is it today? No, it's not. Yeah. Is it today? Like, <laughs> and I think also, you know, the whole fact that you had gastro mm. might also have delayed it just because that was really heavy on your body. And yeah. the reason you were contracting is that because that's how it works, right? So, and that's why, you know, <clears throat> 
you talk about how when you eat to make sure that you don't get hysteria, you don't get mm. violent ill because contra- contractions can be triggered or even then preterm labor if you're really early, right? Yeah. Um, from having a really strong yeah, gastro or hysteria, like being being vomiting and, and having that uh, contractions in your in your um, intestines, right? Or in your yeah. tummy, that all of that area affects the womb and the womb affects the area too that's why sometimes you vomit yeah. from contractions because it's all you know mm. it's all entwined yes yeah and I really think that that kind of did delay it almost because it was like my body knew it needed time to recover yeah. from that to be able to sustain um the labor so yeah it was about a week of a week or so of, of um pre-labor and then we, we were at the beach, we kind of, it was kind of that Christmas period. So we sort of, you know, we weren't working, we were just kind of like hanging out. It was a weird time vortex of just trying yeah. to enjoy this time together, but also being really excited and, and really wanting um, to meet River. Um, and so we're at the beach and my partner, I just said to him, I was like, I feel like you need to go for a surf. I think it might be the last surf you get for a while. And so we had a beach umbrella because I was getting quite sunburnt from sitting on these beaches all day waiting for my baby to come. <laughs> and he said, okay, this is, if, if, if something happens, put the beach umbrella up and down like a few times and that'll be the signal and I'll come back in. I'm like, yeah, 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 it'll be sweet. So I'm sitting under the beach umbrella and then next minute a giant gust of wind comes and flies my umbrella down the beach. Oh. So here's me at like almost one no. or two weeks pregnant running down the beach. <laughs> My partner missed the whole thing. Some random guy helped me put the umbrella back. He gets back from the surf. I tell him, I'm like, if I was having this baby right now, you would have missed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm now sunburnt. I've done a sprint up and down the beach. <laughs> and we get, we get back in our car and I just said to him, I was like, oh, something's, something's happening and I need an acai bowl. And he's like, what? I'm like, I, I need an acai bowl. I need like the sugar and carbs like, let's go get an acai bowl. And so he goes to the acai bowl shop and they're like, we don't have any acai left. And he's like, my partner's in labour and, you know, them not really knowing what labour is. Imagine, like, the Hollywood, she's screaming. They're like, what are you doing here? Like, oh, my God, you should be at a hospital. So they're like, we found this acai bowl. It was a whole thing. So the whole town's now involved in this story. <laughs> so he gets his, get the acai bowl. We go home and as I'm eating it, Libby had a planned kind of, like, appointment that day. And I said to him, I feel like I'm going to regret eating this later, but I'm really enjoying it. And she came over and she said, like, I really wish you hadn't gotten so sunburnt. Um, can you please drink more water? And I do feel like I'll be seeing you later tonight. Like she, you know, midwives just know. Yep. And I kind of knew too. Um, and so I thought my waters had broken. I'd gotten like a little bit of a little bit of a show, like a little bit of water. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it isn't as dramatic as it is in the movies. <laughs> And so my partner was down the backyard putting the chickens to bed. Um, This was about 7 p.m. now. And he just hears me make this noise and he comes in and I'm on all fours and my waters have exploded all over the carpet. Like I I was like, oh, maybe it does happen dramatically. Like it was just hop. Yeah, I can for sure. I was like, oh, okay, wow. I was kind of preparing myself for like don't be dramatic, you know, it might not be, you know. Turns out it was. And so from that moment on, it was, it was on. Um, it was sort of like that, that day, that week, and then that day of kind of build up. And then it was just like waters exploded and boom. Um, 
so I think he let Libby know at that point um, and she said, cool, I'm going to go to bed now and get some rest and I'll keep my phone on. Yeah. She had a sense that it was kind of going to be a fast birth. That was, you know, she'd schooled us in like, look, this is how you deliver a baby just in case I don't make it in time. And we were like, mm. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so from about that 7 p.m. onwards spot, I spent a lot of time vomiting up the acai bowl in the shower. Um, <laughs> but just loved being on all fours with the water on my back. And, um, we'd done just like a one day kind of hypnobirthing course. And so my partner had learned a lot of the, you know, the massage points and just sacrum releases and stuff like that. So he was doing a lot of that on my back, which was beautiful. And I spent a lot of time on the toilet. Like I just really felt comfortable sitting on the toilet, um, and walking around the house and, yeah, he, at that point of my waters exploding, we kind of had half set up the birth space. So he went out and put out all the fairy lights and just made it, you know, lit the candles and had the birth altar. And it was just, it was so beautiful. I was like so excited to get into the pool just because it looked so pretty. Um, and so we sort of labored in the bedroom for, for quite for a few hours, just kind of resting, cuddling on the bed, getting up, moving around, kind of doing a few stretches it, it was very you know I was still talking with ease through the contractions and um, was really able to still just breathe kind of calmly um, and then after a couple of hours of that the intensity just ramped up um, and I just had this feeling of like oh, I really I just really want to be in the pool I could just feel like that would feel really really nice and so at this point I'd switched from you know, doing just really beautiful deep breathing to sort of making quite, not quite like primordial sounds by that point, but just like a, just a soft, like an ah, uh, and I was working a lot with like oming or doing different mantras and just low sounds. Um, I'd done a lot of, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, so I'd done a lot of study and understanding into like how the energy of the body. So I was just working with, you know, how we move energy down and mm. I got in the pool and that was just, the best thing ever, I think, because I just thought the environment was so beautiful and I just felt so held by the space. And so that was when Libby arrived. Um, mm. And, yeah, I was in the pool for for a while and that's when I, it just it, it was just really natural how it just started to amplify. And I remember Libby just kind of sitting on the couch and she's like, are you, are you pushing? And I was like, I just, like, I just feel this urge to bear down and she's like okay like that's you know just do your thing and that went on for for maybe about 40 minutes or so um and I mean she was just observing me at that point and you know it it just felt like I, that was my favorite part was that transition shift and, and at that moment I said to her because I had in my head you know friends that had birthed for 36 hours and I was I was preparing for a marathon mentally yeah and it was so, you know, now we're probably about five or, or so hours in. And I remember I just said to her, I was like, hey, Libby, how much longer is this going to take? <laughs> and she said, well, Em, how long is a piece of string? Because yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I, that was my transition point. But I just, I knew that I was like, because, you know, I'm starting to use a lot of energy and I'm really wanting to push that energy down. But if I've got to do this for 40 hours, then I'm going to need to pair back. And I, and she was kind of like, look, you, you're not, you're not going to be here for 40 hours. This baby is clearly coming very soon. And so she said, okay, let's, let's get up and put you back on the toilet. 
I, I, I think that will, you know, you've been in the bath for a while, which obviously slows things down a little bit. Mm. Um, and so I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds good. So we get out of the bath and her and the second midwife had arrived by this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also seeing that, like, obviously, <laughs> I, process, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. it's not going to be 36 hours. No, you, you wouldn't call the second <laughs> midwife if you didn't think it's going to happen within the next probably two hours. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, she came in, Astrid, she was beautiful. Mm. And, and at this point, I was also starting to really go into the vortex, but also was so hyper aware of everything in the room, every sound, everyone's conversation, the music, it was sensitive to that, but simultaneously starting to really transcend. And so they got me on the toilet and it was like a force came over my body and I couldn't stop pushing. And Libby was like, it was, that was kind of the only point in the whole process that she intervened in terms of her words. Like she was just, she just said like, okay, and we need to, like, you need to stop pushing, otherwise you're going to have your baby on the toilet, which is fine, but <laughs> I just don't think that's, you know, your vision. <laughs> yeah. And I just was like, whoa, like the sounds were coming out of me and I was just feeling this, like, force of energy mm. that was that I just, I was going into warrior woman mode of, like, I just want to boom, this push, this one push and let's get him out. And so they're like, okay, let's get back to the pool. And then as we're walking back, my, you know, my partner's got his hand in between my legs, you know, just thinking like, is this baby going to like be born on our tiles? Like it was, it was a short waddle back to the pool. And then once we got into the pool, I was fully in that vortex of time um, of just, yeah, I was, I was off in the cosmos. I was on that, you know, they say you go off into the journey to collect. I, I was like, okay, Riv, like we're doing this, like come with me. And I'd also kind of activated this, just this intensity of energy and I was just ready to go. I was just like one push and we're out. And Libby just, you know, she was still just sitting back and she just said to me, she was like, just let, let him stretch you in. Yeah. And I was like, what did she mean? And I could feel the head come down and then I felt him go back in and I was like, no, 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 go, go down. (laughs) I really love this because it's so important for women to understand, especially the first time around, because I have this a lot with women as well. Just like you say, no, you know, my baby's just going back in. It's never going to happen. But actually this is really important. This is really important. Mm. It's really important. It's important that the baby comes uh, further and further down, but keeps on coming in so that Mm. you, you gently open. And this Mm. is how we prevent tearing, right? Yeah. Um, I didn't tear at all. Yeah, and we need that slow process for that. When it is really kind of powerful, you know, there's a much bigger risk that we have a bit of a tear, whether that is a small or a big one. You know, that's just that's why as midwives, mm. we might go, hey, just just let this happen, just allow this to go, down. yeah, allow this to take time, and yeah. And that's my personality as well. It's to go, you know, hard and fast into something. Yeah. Um, and so that that it's that in itself was a beautiful lesson, and I guess a a beautiful precursor to motherhood of just slowing down and surrendering to mm. this time in my life. Um, so, yeah, I, I do, I feel like so much of the birth has, you know, mirrors, you know, the healing journey and my experience of motherhood and, and all of that, which is just mm. kind of cool when you, when you think about it. And so, yeah, I felt his head just kind of go in and out and that felt like an eternity, but also, I mean, it was probably not that long. Um, 
And none of it to me was painful. Like I would never describe childbirth as painful. Mm. Um, It just felt like strong sensation. Um, To me, it was like doing a really hard workout at the gym. And you know, when you get to that point in a workout where you're like, oh man, there's like four rounds to go. And it's just your mind that doesn't want to do it, but your body is like fully capable. Yeah. And that was kind of what it was like. You know, you got, I got to that point when I said to her, how much longer it was like I knew my body was capable but my mind was like do we need to like play the long game here <laughs> so yeah so, trying to strategize trying to like yeah, negotiate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't negotiate in birth yeah. no you just gotta surrender to it and so that feeling of you know his of his head just coming out because when I was on the toilet I think I think the intention was to maybe get his head on the perineum to just encourage a little bit of a faster movement down because the water beforehand was obviously keeping things much more relaxed. Mm. And so I think that combination of like bringing the intensity, being out of the water, and then meeting that fire and intensity with the element of water and being able to just softly have him go in and out and in and out and just kind of do this dance and, you know, like part of me was, like I said, so present, so off with the fairies, but also just I can still feel it in my body, that feeling of of his head moving in and out and in and out and just me just opening and opening and softening but working simultaneously with strength and softness. Like it, it's, yeah, I, I fully really understand that concept. You know, we talk about it a lot in yoga of of effort and ease coming together and that was that experience for me of of the effort, but then allowing myself to open and receive and just, yeah, it was beautiful. And then the feeling of his head coming out was just like the best feeling of relief ever. And I was kind of, I, I, you know, I sort of at that point was still in between kind of worlds and I looked down and I I could feel the head had come down. Um, And Libby said to me, she was like, okay, he'll, you know, like just, just, keep you know just wait that like the rest of him will come out pretty quickly and I don't even remember that part the next thing I kind of remember was Libby sort of leaning over and saying Emma your baby's in between your legs you need to pick him up (laughs) and I was I was delirious like I was looking down and I'm like oh shit there's like literally a human in my in the uh." And so I picked him up and kind of like just instinctively put him on my chest and my partner's just bawling his eyes out at this point. And she's like, thank you. I'm so grateful. You know, you're amazing. I'm so grateful. Like just crying. And I'm like the, some of the first photos, I've just got this like ugly shocked face. (laughs) I love to see that. (laughs) It's so good. I'm kind of just, and I'm like half crying, half just like, what the heck happened? happened? (laughs) Like trying to like simultaneously pull myself out of like the deepest meditative state and reintegrate back into my body um and so I just kind of didn't say anything I was just I was I was in shock and Libby was like you know talk to him because he wasn't crying at that point um but he was covered in all that beautiful juicy mucusy um yeah um and so then I I just kind of looked down at him and I was like hi welcome like wow, you're here and just started talking to him. And then, yeah, he let out a, a cry. And mm. that's also a bit of a, a, like a moment of relief of like, I mean, he, he looked fine. He was you know, yeah. beautiful and pink, but you hear the cry for the first time and you're like, wow, this is, this is real. Like this just, mm. this just happened. 
Um, and then my placenta cord was still kind of, I don't know if it was stuck, but it was also a bit short. Oh, and so I was in the was in the water holding him and I was just feeling kind of agitated by not being able to like yeah. fully pick him up and just and I, I just said I was I thought in my head oh we'll be in the water for a while as a family and it'll be so nice and then because I was encapsulating my placenta I knew I had to birth it out of the water and I was just kind of like Libby I need to get this placenta out it's like it's irritating me and I think at that point then I was like I'm done with this birth thing yeah. like, just <laughs> hurry up <laughs> And so they got me out onto the couch and I was still holding River and I, I, I said to Olivia, I was like, okay, so, like, how does this work? And she was like, she kind of just looked and she was like, mm, I reckon one little push and out it comes. And, yeah, just bleep, out came the placenta, which was actually abnormally huge. Oh. Um, and, and so was River. Like he was a four-kilo baby with like a head off the Richter scale. So it is a miracle that I did not tear. <laughs> oh, or not. Or, yeah. you know, because this is, okay, here's a jam, Emma, that we can talk Do about. It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love when this happens. I'm like, here's something I can share. Fun um, facts. <laughs> fun facts from Emma, the spiritual midwife. Uh, no, so, I mean, I love these because this is a huge thing in the world right now about big babies, right? Mm. big babies are getting induced first of yeah. all you think it's a big baby that's mm. a huge thing right in in utero like you get the scans and they say oh it's measuring big and you have to go to bigger mm. scan more scans more scans eventually most of these babies that are being you know having a cesarean for being a big baby or getting mm. induced early because they think it's a big baby a lot of them are not. So there, that's yeah. one big discussion, right? I could go on a big tangent about and that all evidence actually and all midwives, we're all very much like saying the same thing that um, this is not evidence-based what's happening right now. About mm. big and the whole thing about talking about risk of tearing has nothing to do with that. It's a big baby. Mm. Interesting. Has nothing to do. I've had mamas have 4.7, five kilo babies. Whoa. Yeah, not tearing. It's Amazing. about how you birth your baby. It's about trusting yeah. that your body can't make a baby you can't birth. Yeah. Right? And, yes, sometimes there is a bit of a tight fit and maybe there is some need for maybe an assistance of a midwife or someone to like mm. just help you because maybe it's a bit of a tight fit because it is a five-kilo baby. Mm. Or maybe, you know, there's some sticky shoulders, shoulders, those up. But actually that can happen whether or not it's a big baby in quotation marks, yeah. right? Right. Um, that's about how the baby's just coming down in the birth canal and maybe mm. have been laboring the whole time that has not been actually following nature and, and, you know, being active and, and upright, mm. you know, there's so many different reasons why there might be a tear or a shoulder dystocia and mm. we should stop blaming big babies. Do you want a natural birth, mama? Then a natural birth course might be for you. Do you see birth as a rite of passage and an important and transformational event that you'd like to feel fully empowered in meeting? Are you, like many other women, realizing that it is time to take back your power as a birthing woman in the birth space and birth your baby your way? 
Would you like to feel calm and confident as you birth your baby with all the tools you need in order to meet the labor sensations naturally and be ready body, mind and soul? Do you deeply down know that your body was made to birth your baby and that you have all the inherent power and inner wisdom to do so? Are you looking for holistic midwifery wisdom and guidance to assist you and give you all the evidence-based information you need in order to feel fully sovereign in your decision-making around your pregnancy and upcoming birth? Then the Natural Birth Course is for you. Find out more at thenaturalbirthcourse.com. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Well, because it's because see, during my pregnancy, everyone was just constantly commenting how tiny I was. Right. And the comments was like, you're gonna have the tiniest baby. Like that bump is there's, you know, they're like, no way you're full term. Like it was just this constant, like, you're so small, you're so small. And then yeah, outcomes the four kilos. So and and that as well. It's like you just you can't judge a bump by, you know, no. the outcome of, you know, how that how that woman's carrying and because some people carry really really like inward right? mm. and some carry more outward and yeah so that's totally right it's totally yeah right. and uh, but I think it's really important for women to not be so scared of carrying big babies yeah um the big baby in itself you know it's not a higher risk that you will tear it's how you, you said before that baby exactly about how you birth it but also that trusting that your body is designed mm. like that was the big thing that you know a lot of work I did was, you know, really understanding and trusting that my body knows what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the education side of it is more just so the mind doesn't panic, like, yeah. because it doesn't know, it hasn't seen a lot of birth, it hasn't been around it. So I think even though you can go like, oh, yeah, I know my body knows what to do, I think it's also important to have that education around the process so that you're like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, I, I've seen, you know, I watched beautiful home births and I was very, very intentional. I guess, in my work with meditation and whatnot of understanding the subconscious mind. And I knew, like, for example, in that moment where I had that 36 hours of birth story in my head from my friend, I knew that any stories I had would be stuck in my subconscious mind. And so if I was listening to podcasts, which is why I loved your podcast, but if I was listening to podcasts (laughs) where it was heaps of interventions and drama and da-da-da-da, I knew that that's what would come out if I was in a really vulnerable state or didn't feel supported or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big part of um, my birth prep was, was to really be intentional with what I was consuming. Um, and that's not to say like I was ignoring the fact that, you know, something, you know, I might end up having to transfer or something like I was very aware of we had a plan around if that did have to happen, but I knew that the likelihood was was pretty low. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we discussed that obviously with with Libby and my partner as well. Like he was really, really on board with with everything like I remember him saying to me at one point when all the COVID thing was kind of like that you know talks of these restrictions and that restrictions and he said to me he was like okay so if something weird happens and they like don't allow people in your homes and Libby can't be there for the birth like we're just free birth right (laughs) he's like you know I've seen my sister be born I feel like I could do it I was like, um, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> so, you know, he he was really involved in that process as well and mm-hmm. felt really empowered 
as a support person. He was kind of like my daddy doula, um, which I think is, you know, at, at any moment that I was feeling, you know, tired or like, okay, how much longer, I would look at him and there was just belief in his eyes. Like he just, he held such a strong presence for me, for us as a family in that moment. And he just had like pure, it was like a coach on the sidelines just being like, you've got this, like this, you were like, you were born for this. This is your moment. You know what to do. Like there was never a moment of fear or, you know, unsteadiness in his, in his energy. He just knew like he was just, yeah, he was solid, which I think as well enabled me to be in that feminine energy of just totally surrendering and knowing that, that I was held. which is beautiful. And this is such an um, important uh, part, you know, that it's not an accident that we have positive, empowering birth stories to share. You know, mm. it really is not an accident. It is who is around us, who have we chosen to be in our birth space. Mm. And a pivotal thing is our support people and the team we choose, right? And And that they don't have any fears because as you mentioned through your birth story there you were off with the fairies but you were also hyper aware of everything going Mm. on and this is a key fact right that this is most women will have this that they can feel super alert and super aware of everything but at the same time maybe not even be able to speak or vocalize you know because they're so in this altered state but it's both at the same time. Yeah. She's fully aware of, and she can feel if something's going on. She can feel if someone's worried. She can feel if, you know, and this can totally shift then Mm. out of that state and prolong your labor process because all of a sudden you go into fear or doubt or anxiety because you can feel it's happening in the room. Mm. And this is why it's so important to truly be honest with yourself and see where am I feeling safest to birth? Not everyone mm. feels safest at home, you know, and mm. if you're in a birth center, in the hospital, you follow that. But you also have to put yourself in that situation, see yourself then in the hospital and tune into being super vulnerable and super open and super altered in your state of mind. Will you be affected? Will you, Are you still feeling safe when you picture yourself there? Mm. Yeah, you know, this is a really important processes you need to really sit with when choosing where to birth and with whom to birth. Yeah, I think, you know, for some people, they like the idea of home birth that doesn't make them feel safe. It's like, well, then yeah. don't push yourself to feel safe in that environment if you don't. Absolutely. Because, you know, it, and then one of those things when, you know, when I was pregnant as well, it was so many people when you would say that you were having a home birth, it's like, oh, what are you going to do for pain management? Oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's so dangerous. Like, you know, our families were like, what are you doing? Like it's just <laughs> it was it was such a you know, and obviously like up in being in Byron, most of the community are very on that path. So it felt quite normalized amongst those groups, but definitely with, you know, friends from other places and and family and stuff, it was very much like, oh, like, I hope it's going to be okay. And do you have a hospital as a backup and just bringing in that fear. And, you know, I was, I was really clear as when we were in that kind of time vortex of waiting for the baby, I sent a message to friends and family and said, don't contact me. Tyson will send you an update. Like I just, I didn't want anyone's energy affecting my headspace or, you know, the the portal I was about to step into. I, I knew that energetically I was so open and so receptive and vulnerable, as you said, to anything going on that I didn't want to, you know, get a text that day that would then be on my mind and and impact my experience. I was very intentional of 
um, yeah, just of, of checking out of social media, of, of just saying, yeah, to friends and family, like call Tyson if you want an update or obviously let you know when the baby comes. Like, yeah, I just, I really went into that kind of retreat space, which was really, I think really beautiful and really helpful just in, in getting me in that zone of just preparing to, to do this huge transition in life and really honoring that as a, as a rite of passage for myself. And knowing as well that, you know, once this child comes, this will be the only time that I get to experience this because if I just choose to have another one, I'm obviously going to have a toddler or a child to attend to. So never will I ever get this, these moments back. And so it was so precious for me to, to treasure that and to honour that and to do ceremonies and rituals and things that connected me to that energy. Yeah. Wow, beautiful. That's amazing. So there I am on the couch with my placenta. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like I said, it came out pretty easily and it was quite large. And so, you know, you know how midwives, they seemingly just love, I almost said they have to check it, but they love it, um, which I actually thought it was really cool to see. Like mm. I was I was like, wow, that's that's a lot. Like it was a lot more stuff than I thought. And we, did, we kind of just left it. Um, we did not like a full lotus birth where we waited for it to completely fall off, but until the cord was, you know, stopped pulsating. And I don't know, I don't even know how long it was at that point. The second midwife had made a cup of tea. I was eating peanut butter slice and just watching Riv do the breast crawl up my chest, which was the coolest thing ever. Like this full on army crawl of this like hours old baby just Ah, to get to the boob, which was yeah. cool. They're so intelligent. It's so cool. You know, and this can only really happen when they haven't been sedated or, mm. you know, obviously sometimes when there is a, you know, they can be also sometimes when they come out, they might be sleeping, you know, because mm. they're still going in their sleep-wake cycle. Sometimes yeah. they wake, they, you know, they're sleeping when they're born. And so they might not be as, you know, alert instantaneously or they might have yeah. a, an ordeal of some sort and it takes a while. But especially when you had a natural birth and your baby's not sedated and they can do all these instinctive things like baby mm. crawling, self-attaching, like mm. their eyes are really big. They're so alert when they're birthed uh, mm. in that first few hours, more so than they will be for maybe probably like a month. Mm. Right? That's like, this is an amazing time. That is why it's so important with the golden hours after birth, right? Mm. And to really, you know, and that is a huge reason why, you, you know, potentially want to have a natural birth is to actually allow your baby to fully have all its instincts and do mm. all these things that will then set you up for the best breastfeeding journey. You know, that your baby is yeah. fully alert. They imprint on your face. They imprint on mm. your smell, your breasts. They imprint on how to get to your breast. They imprint on how to attach to your breast. Mm. All of this is so important. And just so like, incredible like you said to watch it's like this little thing just that's his first thing in the world and here he is like army crawling and yeah it was we um we're kind of we do vedic meditation and so part of that is that when the baby's born the father gives the baby um a little baby mantra and mm -hmm. so um that was the first time that tice held him i think it was kind of as i was getting onto the couch and, and getting the placenta i think the placenta had come out and um I just I said to Tice, like, do you want to give him his mantra? And so he held him mm -hmm. and and whispered the mantra to him and Riv just opened his eyes and did this kind of like little like hmm and smiled and then, yeah, came back to mum and 
did the breast crawl. It was so, yeah, it was just, it was a beautiful moment for them. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, like once we eventually um, cut the cord and got into bed, that was, I think, the one of the best parts of the home birth experience was just, you know, having that birth and everything happen and then just you're you're in your house and you're in your bed and it's familiar and yeah um by this stage it, you know, he was born at um about quarter past four in the morning so by this stage it was kind of like you know 7 a.m ish mm. um and we'd gotten into bed and it was just yeah I just remember this feeling of just just happiness and bliss and we were just still doing totally naked skin to skin um that whole time and we sort of snuggled in the three of us you know ready to have a sleep and I don't know what we were thinking but we forgot about meconium poo <laughs> and so just as we kind of all close our eyes and you know he's on my chest I'm suddenly like oh <gasps> and I pull back the covers and sure enough I'm covered he's covered the bed's covered like oh my god so then, then it was like oh and, so, and I hadn't wanted, I didn't want to shower for a week. Like I really wanted to. And so then I was like, oh, I mean, it's poo on me. It was a whole Yeah, thing. you do want and to then, shower. <laughs> believe it or not, we did it again. We got back into bed and we were like, glad that's over. I just didn't think like, oh, my God. <laughs> and again, we were like, oh, my God, we're such new parents. This is a nightmare. <sighs> Um, so that was pretty funny. Um, so once funny. we cleaned up, <laughs> because a lot of people don't know as well, a lot of people don't know that the first poo is really black and sticky. Black Macronium and poos sticky. are like tar. Yeah. And I had to scrub it yes, off my belly. That's what I was going to say. Even when it's even worse if it gets, like if you wait. So then like it really sticks, right? So yeah, like you can still be skin to skin, but maybe you want to have something around your baby's bum. Like even just like, just, anything you know if you a don't cloth would have been good like, just, you know for sure just something to protect uh, them so that and was you. a good that was a good lesson <laughs> so funny <laughs> that sometimes um, happens at birth like babies will be born and just as you bring the baby up to mom like there's just this black string yeah. coming out like they're just like you know pressing out oh. um, yeah and like they can actually you know there's a lot of weight in that like if you weigh yeah. the baby and then they have this massive poo then yeah. you should really not take that into consideration as the birth weight. Now I know yeah. that most hospitals would do anyways, but like, cause that's a lot that they are just eliminating. Well, that's we didn't actually mean. weigh him. I think until mm. like the day or day or two after or something, mm. um, we just like, he just did skin to skin for mm. actually like intensely for about a week. Mm, um, we were just in, with either myself or, or my partner yeah. um, in bed. I didn't get out of bed. Like I was very, very, we had a very clear postpartum plan of really just honoring those first 40 days. And yeah, I just, I just lay in bed with him or, or if I needed to go to the toilet or whatever, you know, we would, we would switch. Um, and then after about a week and a half, we ventured to the couch and I remember, <laughs> Libby, I remember Libby coming and she was like, I can't believe you're actually doing this because I'm such a, like, you know, I was exercising the whole way through the pregnancy. I'm such a mover. She goes, I tell women to do this all the time. And I feel like no one really listens to me. They get up and they walk around. And I was like, oh no, I, I'm, and I also, I guess, really understanding how the pelvic floor needs to heal. And yes. just, I was very much like, no, this is, this is a big event for my body to heal from. I don't need to jump on a yoga mat right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to just 
lay down as much as possible. So that was about two weeks of, of just literally being as flat as possible for as long as possible and just doing very, very gentle um, pelvic floor engagement kind mm. of exercises in bed um, before I then, like I, at that, you know, I was, I mean, very lucky to have such an incredible hands-on partner, but he did all the nappy changes he did any sort of upright walking around burping so that I didn't have to carry him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was about two weeks before I actually really walked around um, holding him. Like I just really tried to give my body as much chance as, as I could for it to rest. I love that. I think you are actually the first person that I interviewed that has done to that extreme of actually truly <laughs> doing that. I mean, I know a lot of people do a nourishing postpartum and they might, you know, stay at home for the first mm. few weeks. And But to actually, oh, that's just, it gives an ease to my whole system just listening to that going, oh, that's it. That's and it, it was amazing. Like, and I, you know, I loved, to me that postpartum bubble was much easier because it because all I had to do was lie in bed and you know we we'd prepared food we had beautiful um all of a lot of the members of our online community had gotten together and organized a meal service for us so wow. we were really really supportive we've been very clear that we didn't want any visitors we just had people dropping food at the door mm. uh, so we'd really like I'd done a lot of reading about that as well and just really honored that mm. and just I'd spoken to so many mothers and they they said you know the thing that they regretted the most was that they're sitting on a couch bleeding wondering if auntie so-and-so's got enough tea you know like it's yeah. I just didn't want that to be my experience so yeah it was just us for about we ended up getting to about three and a half weeks before we we said to you know it was a couple of friends that were dropping around things we were like oh if you want to come mm. in like we felt ready to start mm. inviting people into the house mm. um and then all of our family lives a few hours away. Um, so then they, like they're about eight hours away. So then they came about a month or so after he was born. Um, and I, by that stage, I was really feeling ready yeah. for people to meet him. Like we had done so much bonding, the three of us, mm -hmm. just literally he'd had almost every nap on either Tyson or myself. Um, and we, we co-slept with him right from day one as well. So we felt really like we knew him you know, we knew his cues, we knew how to respond. And obviously it changes as, it, as babies evolve, but we knew how to respond. So we didn't feel, you know, when, when visitors came or, you know, particularly family or, or older generations like to give an opinion or, oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that, we didn't feel bothered by that. We just, you know, it just kind of rolled off us because we were like, that's no, okay. You know, we, we were doing elimination communication with him from about four weeks um, so we knew his, his potty cues, like we felt, we felt like we'd built confidence as parents by having that time to just fully immerse ourselves as a little mm. unit. And that is it, you know, that is what the first 40 days is really about is establishing breastfeeding and really mm. learning your baby's communication because mm. each baby's going to be different too. Mm -hmm. um, and each baby you have if you have someone in the future you know more babies in the future they're not going to be the same either no. so it's really that that time is really precious and if you meddle with that if you have visitors then you're going to miss those cues and, mm. and your baby might not do them anymore either because they yeah. know just, if I do this I, no one's hearing me no one's no one's understanding what I want and so it's yeah. really important those first 
few weeks to really honor that. That sounds amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was really special. Um, I look back on that and I'm, I'm so glad that we made the decisions and we were just, it was hard to hold that boundary with, with visitors and stuff because obviously everyone wants to hold the newborn, but I also knew that that's more about them than it was about like, you know, River's yeah. not getting any benefit out of them. He doesn't know yeah. who grandma is. No. Um, he only cares about, you know, mum and dad mm. and mostly boobies. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, we were very, very intentional with that and that was really special and I think really just bonded us as a little family trio and and aided in my healing just immensely um being able to to rest and just to to not be on anyone else's I guess kind of schedule or expectations it was just really slow and steady and if I felt like I'd walked around too much or picked up too much too many loads of washing or done you know heavy lifting I'd I'd kind of be like okay well I'll either ask Tyson to do it or get mm. someone to do it later and just yeah. rest. Yeah. And that mm. takes so much awareness, self-awareness. And also I think a big process of you, know, you doing so much healing beforehand, you didn't mm. have all those patterns of people placing that, you know, 99.9% of all women have, right. That, or, you know, the good girl and, and needing to provide for others and be there for others and what other people's mm. going to think and, you had cleared a lot of that mm. and again this is why sometimes especially the you know, conscious conception which for me really means that like the the oh mm. your own inner patterns your belief system to look at all of that obviously mm. it's a journey you're not ever done with that and it's going to no. continue to come <laughs> up with each like month week year your yes. your baby's going to grow into you're going to have new things come up for you as you remember that time in yourself or things come up from that time you know that might have been something that got stuck mm. in you so yeah mm. I mean this is the thing isn't it to just um do your best for yourself in your own self-healing and that is mm. how you also pass down better things for your children and um and stop the lineage uh, and I think that's really really important for women to understand it's like you can rewrite that mm-hmm. script at any point you know you don't have to be a victim to the you don't have to be a martyr to mother motherhood you can choose in any moment whether it's during birth or pregnancy or postpartum or 10 years down the track like mm-hmm. you can choose to own your story and rewrite your entire script um and I think that, you know, I mean, that's that's a lot of the work that I do in the world as well. But I just think it's so empowering for, for people to know that because otherwise we just imprint, you know, anything that you haven't healed, mm-hmm. you pass on to your children through the womb and then through parenting. And whilst, you know, Tyson and I are definitely not perfect, there is, <laughs> you know, there's still stuff that we're like, okay, I'm aware of that, need to shift it. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I just, I think that, you know, awareness is the first step and, and being able to, to have, you know, some kind of communication with that, mm-hmm. um, with yourself as well as, you know, the people around you is really important to, yeah, to be able to shift it. Um, yeah, I, I think as well, just honouring that, that first 40 days is, you know, I, I know a lot of women that are like, oh, but it's like so long to, and there was a point where I was like, oh, you know, I would love to really move. And so I just, gent- I just did some gentle stretching and, just move my body in a way that I knew that in a few months time, I'd be back in the gym lifting weights and I knew all that stuff was to come. So mm. I didn't have to rush it. You know, I knew that I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life laying in bed with a baby on my chest. Like it was, it was a tiny, tiny window, a season 
And as we know, seasons, they, they come and they go. So I knew that that season of my life wasn't going to be forever. And I really just wanted to honor it. And I'm so glad I did because it was just, yeah, it was the best. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that people like we're you know as human beings we always live in the future in the past we're very rarely in the present I mean being a yoga teacher you know me as well you know we know about the importance of being in the present moment that's the only thing that exists but so so many can be like restless as you say maybe I want to do stuff but actually like this you will never get this back the Mm -hmm. first baby as you say will it'll never be the same when you get the second the third whatever it's gonna be a different dynamic you're gonna have not gonna have this undisturbed time Mm -hmm. and babies change by the minute like they grow so fast and you can't even imagine you can't even believe it before you're there and in the moment it feels like you're not sleeping and it's the same Mm -hmm. and it's the poo and it's the feeding but actually it's groundhog day yeah and (laughs) But actually, if you if you zoom out and you go like, wow, every day is different. And the baby, each week there's a new, you know, or even mm-hmm. days, like there's growth spurts and it just changes and changes and changes. Mm-hmm. And you will never get that back. You'll never get back mm-hmm. a little newborn. And so mm-hmm. to also- Already like, I want another one because yeah. I'm like, I miss that. <laughs> yeah. And to like, to just become really pressed and go like, okay, I'm a bit bored now or I'm feeling restless. It's okay. I can be with that. Yeah. And, and sitting brain. in discomfort is a big lesson for, I think, a lot of people. You know, I we talk about that a lot in yoga. And, mm. you know, like even for me, childbirth, like it wasn't painful, but there were definitely moments that were less comfortable. Mm. And so it was like, and I, but I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be forever. I knew that this wasn't going to be the rest of my life. I knew that it was just a few hours really and like a, a blip in the context of my entire existence. And so... Yeah, like those moments of discomfort, it's like, okay, cool, I'm going to be in this and I'm going to breathe with it and I know that it's bringing forward a baby ultimately. And I think that in life and in motherhood, it's like those moments of discomfort are are bringing forth a deeper part of yourself, a stronger part of yourself. You're just, you're uncovering more capacity to, you know, to be able just to to find joy in the mundane moments Mm. of life because this is, this is what life is, you know, it's, and it's beautiful and it sometimes can be kind of, yeah, groundhog day or you're like, oh, I'm really kind of bored today. But, like, <laughs> you know, but but then the next day something changes or there, there's some new development thing and it's they're a whole different kid and it's, mm. it's you know, nothing's ever the same. And, and neither, is, neither are we as adults. I think we really forget that we're always transforming and growing and changing and it's so much more evident, obviously, in a, in a baby going to a toddler, but we're going through that same process on a daily basis, which is really cool. Yeah, beautiful. So, Emma, if you had a first-time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience, what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her? Um, I would definitely say learn how to work with energy and to understand how energy works in the body because we're all energy beings Mm. Um, rather than it being this wave that, you know, overtakes you in a contraction that just, you know, you're just overwhelmed by understanding how that force field works and how you can ride it and work with it to actually harness the power of that to bring forth your baby and use it to your advantage rather than just, you know, kind of uh, giving up, you know, like surrender is not the same as just completely, you know, getting bowled over. No. It's it's working with the process. So I'd say definitely 
learn how to work with energy. And then, you know, for me, a big part of my such an empowered birth journey was re re reshaping my um, experience or my connection to pain. You know, what is pain in the body? Mm. Um, I did a lot of work around because I'm I'm one of those people that stubs my toe and I'm like, the world is ending. (laughs) (laughs) And so I knew, and, and everyone had said childbirth is so painful. It's so painful. So that had been programmed into me. And I'd seen stories of, and videos of orgasmic births and I'm like, it actually doesn't have to be that way. So I did a lot of work around what is pain to me. Um, and I sort of saw it as like, you know, there's the pain that you're, you've broken a leg and your body's like, we need to address this, like something's wrong. And then there's the, the sensation or the intensity of like, like the example I gave of being in a workout. And so I sort of saw it as like, well, if, if I'm in a situation in childbirth where my body's telling me that something's wrong and something needs to be addressed, Mm. I'll be able to identify that. But the experience and the energy is not painful. It's just strong sensation. And that was what ultimately was my um, experience. And I think the last thing would be is, you know, what you touched on before is your support team, you know, really being clear on who you have in that room with you um, and just, you know, and, 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 for some women that I speak to, it's like their partner doesn't have that same um, fearlessness towards birth. Mm. And so get a friend, get a doula, like get somebody okay. who does and can hold that space for you because, you know, you don't want to look up and, and have someone's eyes looking at you with like, oh, shit, you know, you want you want them to have belief in you. And so your partner doesn't have to be that person if they're, you know, if they've never really seen birth and they're overwhelmed by it, yeah. it you can't just expect them to be that person. Mm-hmm. Then it's like you've got to find someone to to yeah. hold that space for for all of you as a family. Um, and then obviously, like, honor the the first forty days as as and the whole postpartum period as as much as you can. And I would want to say also like honor the pregnancy as well, because a lot of people yeah. will work up until they're when they Mm. go into labor, like that's how they approach pregnancy. And we have a society that is saying, well, you know, you're you're pregnant, you're not sick. And now you're definitely not sick, but you're pregnant. Like this is probably one of the biggest events of your life, the whole journey. Mm. You definitely are affected by it for some like you, you know, you might be bedridden Mm. and, and, and and vomit and be very nauseous Mm. for some time for some more than just the first trimester. You know, there's mm. a lot of different shifts and changes. You have this opportunity to meet all your patterns and all your fears and go through a lot of healing during the pregnancy as well. You have yeah. this opportunity to bond with your baby. You know, this is a time too that I wish that women could choose and be fully supported by society to mm. either, yeah, they can work if they want to or continue doing whatever they're doing, depending on, you know, how they feel about that. Or they could have the choice to actually not work for those nine, mm. 10 months. And like fully go into pregnancy. Like I get chills from thinking about yeah. that. Like I wish we had a world like that. And I understand that that's a utopia for 99% of women listening, you know. But like I truly think that this is how we need to view coming into parenthood, to motherhood, honoring woman as she's carrying a child. Like that yeah. should not be seen as, well, you're just, you know, you're not sick. No, you're not sick. And it's not about seeing it as sickness. It's about seeing it as something totally different. This is the process that we should honor and allow mm, her. It's, it's the same with the menstrual cycle, you know. It's like, oh, just stick a tampon in and off you go, you know. It's, take an, it's not, yeah, ibuprofen. Not, oh, yeah, take ibuprofen Ignore and get it. back in there. Mm. You know, it's it's not honoured. I actually, actually, when I was in my second trimester, wrote a course that's on Insight Timer. It's a 10-day, it's called Calm for Two. And it's I guess it's it's around 
um, you know, honoring that process of that if you're stressed, the baby's stressed and, and that link, but also honoring the process of maiden to mother and confronting fears. And, you know, whilst it's just a, a tiny little 10 minute per day thing people can do, it's like that process, as you said, like honoring that is huge because it sets you up then, you know, as you as you do walk through that transition. Because mm-hmm. like you said, so many women kind of don't think about it. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, what just happened to me? You know, you, my body's changed. Like everything changes. It's 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 huge. It's yeah, it's it, it's a it's an incredible rite of passage. And in so many cultures around the world, it's so revered yeah. um and and honored. And in our culture, yeah, you're right. It's kind of like this, you know, get on with it and work up until the day that you pop and mm. Mm. And then come back to work three months later. Mm. You know, it's, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, so wrong, so wrong. And we can, you know, to the best of our ability, look at how can we in our lives make that different. You know, that's the only thing we can really do, isn't it? Like as we take responsibility for the birth, we take responsibility for our pregnancy, our postpartum, mm. and to to the extent we can. So, you know, if if you can't, then you can't, you know, financially, mm. whatever. Um, you just do, how can you then do it? How can you, can you go yeah. part time? Can you make sure that you have really supportive self-care practice? Like how can you really yeah. take care of yeah. yourself this time. yeah you're spending your weekends pulling back from social events and doing more rituals or connecting with women's circles or whatever it is like you know there's a lot out there to support that process if you're open to yeah. connecting with it yeah yeah but but really sitting with how can I fully support myself to the best of my ability with what I have emotionally yeah. mentally physically and spiritually available to me um, yeah and there's so many free resources as well. Like there's a lot of stuff online. Like there's there's a lot of things that are accessible, I think. Um, yeah, like you said, to, to every circumstance. Mm, absolutely. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming on the Natural Birth Podcast. It's been a pleasure having you tell your story. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to share. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you love this podcast, then please consider sharing it. Leave a review or make a contribution on our Patreon page. And if you want to connect on social media, then find the podcast on Instagram as The Natural Birth Podcast. Thank you for listening.